Okay, so we're in the middle of chapter 38, and we're looking at the relationship of mitzvah and kavanah. Remember we said, starting at the beginning of this chapter, that the most important aspect of the mitzvah is its actual physical execution, whether in action or in speech. And that's because the bottom line is the soul requires no rectification. It didn't come here to repair itself. It came here to repair the body, the animal soul, the world. Nevertheless, our sages have compared mitzvah and kavanah to body and soul. And we're looking at this comparison right now. We are in the middle of page 10. And we were saying that while it's true that in terms of concealment of the countenance, both body and soul are absolutely equal. They both experience total and utter concealment of the divine. Nevertheless, when it comes to contraction or expansion, how much of that light is within each of them? There's a huge difference between body and soul. In the class of body, there's a minimal amount of life force, while in the class of soul, there's a huge amount of life force. Now, taking it over to mitzvah and kavanah, both mitzvah and kavanah are exactly the same in that, in their case, there is no concealment of the countenance. Each of them are the will of Hashem. They are both total expressions of Him. And this is a really wild idea. It's huge because everything in this world is the will of Hashem. But everything in this world hides him. So it is his will, and yet it hides him. A mitzvah is the will of Hashem, in which he does not hide himself at all. It is explicitly the will of Hashem. Everything was created by the will of Hashem. So it all came into being through his will. But what is called the will of Hashem? Taira and mitzvahs. So a mitzvah is a total overt expression of Hashem. Hashem is not hiding himself. He's expressing himself. He's saying, this is what I want. And that, and that expresses him. So that is true both of the act, indeed of the mitzvah, that's his will, and both as far as the kavana of the mitzvah, that is his will. In this respect, they are exactly the same. And this is what we're exploring now. We're in the middle of page 10. This is the thought that we started. Just like we cannot compare the illumination and flow of the blessed of light, which shines within actual practical mitzvahs without any intention, we cannot compare that to the superior illumination and flow of the blessed of light radiating and clothed in the kavana of mitzvahs in action, which a person has this intention to cleave to him. This is where we're at. There's a specific kavana that we're talking about here. There's a lots of different kinds of kavana a person can have. The kavana, the intention that the Alter Rebbe is talking about over here is a person is in love with Hashem. They are thirsting to connect with him. And they realize there's only one way to do it, through a mitzvah. And so therefore they run towards him in a mitzvah and they have this intention, I'm doing this to connect with him. This is specifically the kavana that the Altarab is talking about when he says the soul of the mitzvah. 
because there's all different kinds of kavana, including very lofty kavanas, Kabbalistic kavanas, and all those are still part of the body of the mitzvah. The specific kavana that constitutes the soul of the mitzvah is that intention that through this, I'm cleaving to Hashem. So this is true about mitzvahs of pure action. And now the Altar is going to say, Similarly, with regard to Kavana in prayer, the recital of Shema and its blessings and in other blessings, where through one's Kavana in them, he attaches his thought and intellect to Hashem. So the altar is saying that just like it's true that the Kavana, which constitutes the soul of the mitzvah of action, is the, the intention to cleave to him, that's exactly the same with the kavana of mitzvah, of the, the kavana of, of prayer, of kriya shema, of blessings. The kavana that I'm talking about over here is the kavana to cleave to him. So looking at this very simply, you would say that paying attention to the meaning of the words of davening is not necessarily the kavana that the altar was talking about. So a person davens and they think, I'm really having kavana because I'm paying attention to the words. At a superficial view, we're going to say no. Paying attention to the words is only the body of the mitzvah. It's an important part of the mitzvah, but it's still only the body of the mitzvah. But if we look more carefully at the difference between the Alter Rebbe describes the kavana and mitzvah, and the way he describes the kavana in prayer, he hints to the fact that by having kavana, even in the words of the prayer, you are having the soul of the mitzvah. If you look at it, he says, um, let me just find the words over here, that a man's intention to attach himself to Hashem by fulfilling his will as expressed in these mitzvot. And he's talking about action mitzvahs. When he talks about kavana in prayer and shema and blessings, he says, when he has kavana in them, that's not what he said when he talked about the mitzvahs. When he had kavana in them, he attaches his thought and intellect to Hashem. And the reason for it is, if we're going to pray and we're going to pay attention to the meaning of the words, that's going to be our kavana. What is shema about? Shema is about accepting the yoke of Hashem. What, is, what are our blessings about? Blessings are about praise and gratitude to him. So yes, just the simple meaning of the words is going to lead you to that true kavana of wanting to cleave to him. So the kavana here, the soul of the mitzvah, is having this intention that I want to cleave to Hashem. This is what constitutes the soul of the action mitzvahs. This is what constitutes the soul of the speech mitzvahs as well. And there's a beautiful story of the previous Rebbe. He writes in his diary when he was a young boy, and this must have taken place when he was around four years old, very little. And he talks about that he was still learning with his malamid, Rabbi Kusiel. He was very young at that time. He would run to Shul and he would want to watch his father and the men in Shul praying. And something really troubled him. He noticed how everybody else prayed briskly and his father prayed slowly. And his father cried when he prayed. And he's thinking, why is his father different than everyone else? His father was the Rebbe. And he, he looks at his uncle and he says, what's the matter? 
why doesn't my father pray briskly like everyone else? And he said, oh, your father has a hard time pronouncing the Hebrew words. And he was shattered. He felt so terrible. Why can't his father pronounce Hebrew like everyone else? So he comes running home to his mother. And he said, mommy, mommy, you have to come with me to show. You will not believe this. Father takes such a long time to pray. And my uncle told me that he has a hard time pronouncing the words. And he's crying. Come with me. I'll show you that he's crying. And his mother looks at him and says, what do you want me to do? Shall I have your father sent back to Cheder? You know what? Go speak to your grandmother. Now, I have to tell you, this story is very baffling to me. Okay, his uncle tells him that his illustrious father cannot pronounce the words properly. His mother says, what do you want me to do? You want me to send him back to Cheder? I don't know. Go speak to your grandmother. But then he approaches his grandmother. And he tells him his dilemma. And he's so broken. His father can't read properly. His father cries when he prays. And his grandmother looks at him. And she says, your father is different than other people. Your father is a tzaddik and a chassid. A righteous person and a pious man. And he thinks about every word before he says it. And that changed his world. He talks about how at that moment he realized his father is apart from other men. His father every morning takes time to serve his mother boiling tea. And he comes home during the day again to serve his mother tea. And he said, I want to do the same thing, but they don't let me because the water is dangerous for me. And he said, everybody else, when they talk, they talk with gusto. But father hardly speaks. And when he speaks, he speaks in a soft tone. And this is the expression of a young child suddenly realizing that his father is pious. And when he prays, he has true intention. He describes his father saying Shema. And he says, his father says the words Shema Yisrael. And then he sobs. And then he says, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God. And he sobs again. And he, suddenly he's silent. And in a terrifying voice, he screams, Hashem Echad, God is one. And he cries. And this is somebody we can look up to and admire, somebody who when he prays has true intention that he wants, to, he thirsts and he longs to cleave to Hashem and this true intention to connect with him. So let's have what we said until now and then we're going to come to this basic ground-breaking idea that is so important. Okay, so the difference between mitzvah and kavana is similar to the difference between body and soul. Both of them are equal with regard to how revealed Hashem is in each of them. Hashem from his part is totally manifest in mitzvah and kavana. Doesn't necessarily mean, like we said before, that a person feels that, no. A person from his own part, because of his own limitations, can be totally oblivious to the fact that this is total revelation of Hashem. But when it comes to a mitzvah, this is the one place where Hashem doesn't hide himself. And this is true both of the act of the mitzvah and the intention of the mitzvah. Nevertheless, the light, the light that shines in each of them is comparable to the difference between the light that shines within the body to the light that shines within the soul. You cannot compare the amount of life force which is in the body to that infinitely greater amount which is in the soul. Same thing with this kavan of attaching to Hashem. You cannot compare the amount of Hashem's will that shines within the act of the mitzvah to that which shines within the kavana of the mitzvah. So having said this, we would think like this. You know what? There's different levels of attachment to Hashem. For example, our Chachamim tell us, just as Hashem clothed the first man, Adam HaRishayin, 
we too should clothe the naked. Just as Hashem visited Avraham Avinu, Abraham our forefather, when he was sick, we too should visit the sick. Just as he is merciful and gracious, we too should be merciful and gracious. So somebody who copies Hashem's traits, as it were, is on a certain level attaching to Hashem. Compare that person to somebody who has self-sacrifice, Mesiris Nefesh. Mesiris Nefesh is often translated as like martyrdom, giving up life to serve Hashem. But Mesiris Nefesh doesn't just mean giving up life to serve Hashem. It means giving up the essence of your will to serve Hashem. The word Nefesh is translated as soul. It is also translated as will. So when someone gives up the very essence of their will to serve Hashem, they are having Mesiris Nefesh to serve him. There's a story that I read. It was years ago, and I tried to find the source, and I couldn't. But there was a couple that were married legally, a Jewish man, a non-Jewish woman. And the wife discovered Judaism, and she decided she wants to convert. They were already married. She wasn't converting to marry him. He didn't care that much. And she became closer and closer to Judaism. She was passionate and fire about it. She felt like this is her path. And then she realized that she's going to be a Gairas, she's going to be a convert. And her husband is a Kohen. And a Kohen is not allowed to be married to a convert. And when she came across that realization, she cried and she came to her husband and she said, you know what? There's a crazy realization she realized today. They will never be able to be married by Torah law. And they separated in love to do the will of Hashem. That is Mesiras Nefesh. That is self-sacrifice. Were they dying to serve Hashem? No, they were living to serve Hashem. And they gave up the essence of their will to serve Hashem. I cried when I read that story. It was so powerful. You know, such sincerity, literally giving up. They loved each other. They wanted to be married. And they did this because they truly, truly did the will of Hashem. They gave up their essence of their will to Hashem. So could you compare the attachment of somebody who gives up their life or their will to Hashem to the attachment of somebody who copies Hashem's ways. You can't, because somebody who's copying Hashem's ways, so they're clothing the naked, they're visiting the sick, they're being merciful and gracious, they're acting in the way of Hashem, and that's amazing. That's what they should be doing. But are they giving up the core inner self? Not necessarily. Somebody who is attaching to Hashem by giving up their life is giving up the core inner self. They're attaching at a much higher level. So you would look at this idea and you would think that this too applies to mitzvah and kavana. Because we said that the light of the divine will, which shines within kavana, is much more profuse than that which shines in the act of the mitzvah. And so the Altar is going to clarify for us that that is not the case. It is the exact same level of attachment in the act of the mitzvah as there is in the kavana of the mitzvah. The difference is going to be in something else. And in, that is, in what measure does this attachment shine? How much is it sensed and manifested within the person? But when it comes to the actual attachment, the actual attachment is the very same in the mitzvah as it is in the kavana. It is not that attachment 
of man's thought and intellect to Hashem is intrinsically superior to attachment through the actual practical fulfillment of the mitzvot dependent on action, as will be explained further. The attachment is the very same. The attachment through the kavana is the same as the attachment through the mitzvah. Obviously, the quality of man's attachment to Hashem through kavana cannot surpass that of the performance of the mitzvot, which possess the God-given ability to unite man with him. Where then lies the superiority of kavana over actual performance of mitzvot? The Altarebbe now goes on to say that like the actual mitzvot themselves, man's kavana in performing them expresses Hashem's will. It is the illumination of the divine will contained in kavana that is superior. Okay, so we're continuing this thought that it's not that the attachment is any more superior in the, in the intention than it is in the act. As far as attachment is concerned, they are exactly the same. Ella, rather, kavana is significant because because this too is Hashem's will. That one attach himself to Hashem by intellect and thought and by the kavana of the active mitzvahs and by the kavana of the recital of Shema and prayer and in other blessings. What makes kavana special is not because it's coming from a higher place within ourselves. We could think that, you know, mitzvah is performed by the body. It's on a lower level. When we put in our thought, when we put in our intellect, we're using a higher power within ourselves, and we're making it that much greater. No. Do you know what makes kavana important? It's only one thing. That's what Hashem wants. Nothing of our own is going to make it special. It's not a contribution of our own. We're supposed to do a mitzvah and then out of our own goodwill, we're having kavana and now it's bigger and better. No. What makes kavana special is that Hashem chose it. And this is a very important concept. Can holiness be man-made? Holiness cannot be man-made. Rabbi Steinzelt has an expression. He said, there's no meaning to expressions such as the sanctity of the state, the sanctity of law, the sanctity of labor. Man tends to create things and want to confer holiness upon those things. The definition of holiness is that it comes from Hashem. That's what Hashem chose. So we're thinking that Kavana is so amazing because we're using this higher power within ourselves. Actually, even if we have certain thoughts, like mystical unions, which are generated from a very high place in ourselves, that's not the Kavana we're talking about here. What makes Kavana special? This is what Hashem chose. It's God generated. And that's because between the finite and the infinite, there's an infinite gap. Finite man cannot bridge that infinite gap. The only way that gap can be bridged is by the infinite himself, Hashem. And he bridges that gap by giving us the mitzvahs. He chose, it is his will that we do the act and the speech of the mitzvah. It is his will that we have kavana in the mitzvah. And that's what makes kavana special. Okay, so we just established that what makes kavana special is only that Hashem chose it. So then what is the superiority of kavana? We said kavana is the soul. The mitzvah is the body. In a certain respect, kavana has superiority. So after all, after all that's, that we said, they're both the will of Hashem. The attachment to the Hashem in both of them is the same. Mitzvah and kavana are both equal because Hashem desired each of them. 
what makes Kavana special. And the illumination of the supernal will that radiates and is clothed in this Kavana, he gedayla le'en kates, le'mayla mayla me'aras ratzayin ha'elyan ha'me'ira u'mubeshes v'kiyom ha'metzvayis atzman v'maisa u'vediver b'li Kavana. Is infinitely greater and loftier than the illumination of the supernal will that radiates and is clothed in the performance of the mitzvahs themselves in action and speech without Kavana. So the difference between them is how much the supernal will radiates within them. So both a mitzvah and its kavana and its intention are the will of Hashem. What's the difference between them? The mitzvah is the will of Hashem and yet you may not see it. The kavana is the will of Hashem and its whole theme and method of expression is that it is the will of Hashem. What is the intention? What is the person thinking when they're having kavana? They're thinking that through this act, I am attaching to him. But that's what a mitzvah is about. A mitzvah is about attachment. That's what about kavana is about. A kavana is about attachment. In the act of the mitzvah, the deep inner core, without kavana is not expressed at all. In kavana, the deep inner core of kavana is expressed. Its outside expresses its inside. That shows that the supernal will that is within it is much more manifested. So the supernal will within the act of the mitzvah is minimal. It is the will of Hashem. That's what its core is. And yet it doesn't necessarily manifest that. The kavana of the mitzvah is the will of Hashem. And it totally manifests that it's the will of Hashem. An An analogy of sorts for this would be, A parent loves their child. Now, there's different ways that they will express this love. Sometimes, a parent will express their love by disciplining their child, by setting limits, by saying no. Why do they do that? They do that because they love them. And believe me, I tell my kids, you think it's easy for me to say no? It's not easy for me to say no. It's so much easier for me to say, yeah, 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 do whatever you want. The only reason why I say no is because I love you so much. It's so much harder to say no. When we have to set limits, it's not easy. But we set limits because we truly love our child. And then there, is, there are times that parents express their love to their child in a very direct way. They share their deep wisdom, their secrets with them. They, they say nice words to them. They spend quality time together. They read them stories. They do things that are total expression of love. They buy them presents. These different acts are total expressions of love. Are you going to say that the place where the discipline comes from, that love, is from a different level of love than the place where the manifested, obvious acts of love come from? No. They're both the exact same essential love. They're not different categories, different levels of love within the parent. Both of these are essential love. The parent truly loves the child. Out of this pure, true, essential love, they discipline their child. They set limits for their child. Out of this deep, pure, essential love, they show manifest expressions of love. They buy presents. They give treats. They share wisdom. They spend quality time. Two very different manifestations of the same essential love. 
They're so different. They're so opposite. One is no. One feels like strictness. One is yes. One feels like love and kindness. But are they different? No. Essentially, it's the same core love, just different manifestations of the same core love. And that's what it is with mitzvah and kavana. The act, the body of the mitzvah, doesn't necessarily express what it's about. It's really all about attachment. Do you feel that? Not if you're not conscious of it. The kavana of the mitzvah is also only about attachment, but that is totally expressed in the kavana of the mitzvah. This is about attachment. This superiority of kavana is similar to the superiority of the light of the soul over the body, which is a vessel and garment for the soul, just as the body of the actual mitzvah is a vessel and garment for its kavana. So, this illumination of the divine will is superior, radiates at a much higher level in the kavana than it does in the act of the mitzvah, the same way that the light of the soul is much superior to the light of the body. And the Altar says like this, it's a vessel and a garment of the soul, just as the body of the actual mitzvah is a vessel and garment for its kavana. So what does that mean? You look at a person, who is their essential self? When you hug your child that you love so much, who are you hugging? Are you just hugging their body? No, of course. No, of course not. You're hugging their essential self, their soul, their essence. What is the body? The body is only the agency through which the life force, the soul, expresses itself. When you look at a person, yes, you see a body, but the body only expresses something much deeper. Their essence, their identity is really their soul. The body is only a vessel and a garment for that soul. So the same thing too with mitzvah and kavana. Both of them are an act of attachment to Hashem. Kavana on its own, and I have to stress this, intention on its own amounts to nothing. It is only when it is added to the mitzvah that it has the superior value of, of a soul. Kavana on its own is nothing, but kavana, when it's attached to the act of a mitzvah, becomes like a soul for the body. The act of the mitzvah dryly doesn't necessarily convey its, its theme. That is all about attachment. But when it's infused with soul, then its very core is revealed. The kavana becomes the soul of the mitzvah, and it reveals the essence and identity of the vessel, of the act of the mitzvah. In this way, through infusing kavana, intention, into the act of the mitzvah, it's like infusing a soul into a body, which expresses, it's a vessel and a garment to express this higher life force. It allows the act and the speech of the mitzvah to express what it's truly about, that it's all about attachment to Hashem. Okay, here's an amazing analogy from Rabbi Steinsaltz. He says like this, Let's look at somebody hoeing by hand in their field. And let's look at the same guy sitting on a tractor in his field. What are they doing? What's the difference between each of them? Essentially, they're doing exactly the same thing. They're both digging. Is there a difference between what the guy with the tractor is doing to the guy with the hoe? No. Same thing, digging. 
if all you care about is, is this act getting done, then it really makes no difference. Dig with the hoe, dig with the tractor, it doesn't make a difference. But what if you have in mind the greater good? What if you have in mind the bigger picture, the big goal over here? Why is this person hoeing in the field? Because there's a big field out there that has to be turned, the soil has to be turned over properly or whatever the farmer needs to do in order to have a productive field. The same thing with mitzvah and kavana. There's a larger goal here. The larger goal is creating a home for Hashem in these lowest realms. Every single time we do the act of a mitzvah, whether or not there's kavana, we are drawing down divine energy into this world. But if we attach the power of intention, that intention of cleaving to Hashem through this act, of attaching to Him through this act, we now harness tremendous power and the scope of our action becomes so much greater. When we have the whole field in mind, then we care if it's a tractor or a hoe because the tractor is so much more effective. So essentially, the act of a mitzvah, even without kavana, is exactly the same as the act of the mitzvah with kavana. Both of them are an act of attachment to Hashem. However, the power and scope of a mitzvah with kavana is so much grander when we use not just the body in executing a mitzvah and carrying out a mitzvah, but we attach to that our soul. And we're talking here about the animal soul, our consciousness, our intellect, our thoughts. We're attaching that to the mitzvah. We are aligning ourselves with Hashem. And it's not just that essentially, effectively, we're pulling Hashem down into this space. That's not enough. It has to be his home. And if we're not aligned with that, then he's here, but not necessarily is that home. Once we become aligned with that, this becomes much more powerful in the view of the broader picture. We're looking here at making a home for Hashem. How much more effective is it when we harness the power of our soul so that we intend to attach to him through this mitzvah. And this come, brings to mind another idea. And that is, do you have to be a learned person in order to achieve this kind of attachment through kavana? And the answer is no. Of course, we all need to learn. And Torah study is paramount. And we have to, no matter how learned we are, we're essentially ignorant. And education never ends. But that's not what makes our kavana powerful. What makes our kavana powerful is our sincerity in that kavana. How deeply our soul is attached to that mitzvah. And Rabbi Steinsaltz tells two stories. One of them is, both of Rabbi Yitzchak of One of them is the story uh, that we mentioned last week at class, where Rabbi Yitzchak of Bardichev is looking for someone to blow the chauffeur in his synagogue, that Rosh Hashanah. And he's interviewing different people to see what kind of intentions they're going to have when they blow the chauffeur. And each one is very educated and knows the secrets of Kabbalah and is saying which kind of mystical unions he's going to have in mind when he blows the chauffeur. And one after another, Rebbe rejects them. And finally, one guy shows up and he said, he has four daughters to marry off. 
When he blows the shofar, he's going to be thinking, Master of the universe, I'm doing your will and blowing the shofar. You do my will and help me marry off my daughters. Now, of course, this is not the intention that we're talking about. The intention that we're talking about is cleaving to Hashem. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak looks at this man and he says, you will blow the shofar in my shul, this Rosh Hashanah. And that's because his intention was real. His intention was sincere. It was coming from a deep place within himself. And the intention that we must have is that we need to connect to Hashem. That's the overarching Havana. This act, I'm doing this to cleave to Hashem. And there's another story of Rabbi Levi One year he had a beautiful Seder on Pesach and he asked of heaven, is there anybody in this town who had a more spiritual, a holier Seder than me? And the answer was yes. Chaim the Treger, Chaim the Porter had a much more sublime safer than, Seder than you did. He figured, I have to go see what happened at Chaim's Seder. So he goes, he seeks out Chaim the Treger, and he said, what was your Seder like? Oh, he said, oh, Rabbi, I don't know if you want to hear about my Seder. Listen, I knew that Pesach, I will not be able to drink liquor for eight days. And I thought, I, I better catch myself up. So I drank enough liquor for eight days. I was so knocked out that I couldn't get out for the Seder. And my wife was shaking me. She was like, hello, don't you realize it's Pesach night? We have to make a Seder. What do you think you are, not Jewish? And he said, okay. He gets up. He comes to the Seder. He sees a beautiful table that his wife set. And he tells his wife, look, I don't know that much. This is just what I can tell you. We were slaves. We were in dire straits. We were persecuted and tormented by the Egyptians. And God saved us. He liberated us. He took us out of there. You know what? Now, too, we're in dire straits. We're tormented by the evil people around us. And this, too, I have faith in God. He's going to see our pain, and he's going to take us out of here. And Rebbe Yitzchak looked at him, and he said, Now I know why from heaven they said that your Seder was better than mine. It's not about how much we know in the mystical unions. It's about the depth of our sincerity in attaching to Hashem. And not to deter anyone from getting a better education, but sometimes being educated does get in the way of people's sincerity. There's a story of this scholar. In his younger years, he didn't, wasn't so initiated in Kabbalah, and he used to dive in from the depths of his heart with pure, childlike simplicity. And as he became more advanced in his studies, he learned the different unions, mystical unions to have in mind while he prays. And he thought, you know, I should like to just have the sincerity that I used to have. And he sought out his Rebbe and he said, give me advice. I want to have that simple sincerity I had when I used to pray before knowing what I know now. And his Rebbe looked at him and he said, you know what? You're not on that kind of level where knowing what you know, you can still have that kind of simplicity. It's, that's such a high level to know an incredible amount and still have the simplicity of a simple person who doesn't know that much. So to bring it all together, what we're talking about here is just the intensity of the attachment of our soul to the mitzvah, not about knowing everything. It's just that truly, truly what we want to do here is connect to Hashem. And that's the intention we're supposed to have when doing an active mitzvah. And that's the intention that we're supposed to have when doing a speech mitzvah. In both of these, the, the attachment, the very attachment is the same, but the, the level of light that shines within each of them is very different. 
when it comes to the kavana of the mitzvah, it shines so profusely like a soul. And in fact, the act of the mitzvah is like a vessel and a garment to the kavana, the intention of the mitzvah. Just like a body is a vessel that expresses the life of the soul. So kavana, intention, infused within a mitzvah, gives it a whole new power. It lets it express what it's truly about. What is it about? It's about what every mitzvah is about, connecting to Hashem. It allows the mitzvah to express its soul, its essence, that truly all it is, is about connection to Hashem. Now, there's a difference. When it comes to body and soul, the amount of divine life force in the soul really is much greater than the amount of life force that's in the body. When it comes to mitzvah and kavana, it is exactly the same level of divine light that's in each of them. The only difference is how much is this light manifest? They are both the will of Hashem. And when it comes to the will of Hashem, there is no differentiation. That place is a place beyond any levels. It's a true, simple unity. Although both of them, the mitzvah and its intent, enclose a single will, which is as simple as simple can be, without any change or multiplicity, heaven forfend, and is unified in God's essence and being with the ultimate unity. So here's the difference between body and soul and mitzvah and kabbana. Body and soul actually have different levels of divine life force within them. Mitzvah and kabbana, they're both the will of Hashem. And what is the will of Hashem? It's pashut betachlis hapshitos. Simple as simple can be. It is so simple, it can't get any simpler. It's totally unified with Hashem. When we get to the essence of Hashem, there's no levels. There's no divisions. And if both the mitzvah and its kavanah are the will of Hashem, then there's no differentiation in the life force that's within them. Each of them have exactly the same supernal will, which is one with Hashem. Hashem's will is Him. It's very hard for us as human beings to relate to this because we don't really have this in our own experience. Some things you want more and some things you want less. So the things that you want more, you have a stronger will to. The things that you want not that much, you don't have that much of a will. It's a weaker will. With Hashem, His will is simple as simple can be. It's one will. It's indivisible. If it's His will, then it's exactly at the same level, both in the mitzvah and in the kavara. I heard Rabbi Naftali Silverberg, I was listening to a class of his, give something, he calls it an imperfect analogy for this idea, because again, we don't truly have it in our human experience. But he said, okay, imagine a parent with a bunch of kids. And you say, which one do you love the best? Now, the kids will, of course, tell you which one the parents love the best. But if you ask the, the parents, which one do you love the best? They'll say, I love you all the same. And they mean it. It's 100% true. They love each of their children all the same. Does that mean that their children are all equal? No. Each of their children is unique. Some of them are maybe more gifted. That doesn't matter. 
the love the parent has for the child is the same for equal, is equal for all of them. And why is that? Why is it? That's because the love doesn't begin with the child. The love begins from the parent. This child essentially is me. And therefore, they're all the same. That's not the same, for example, when a person has different love for different friends. That's because the love starts not from the person. It starts from the person outside of them. And so, yes, then it matters their differences. But when we're talking about an essential love, the love a parent has for a child, it's all the same. It's one simple will because it essentially comes from the essence of the parent. They love the child because the child is them. So, so too with mitzvah and kavana, because they come from, each of them come from Hashem's will, they are His will, each of them are His will. And therefore, there's no difference between them because His will is simple as simple could be. There are no differences, there's no divisions, no differentiation. It's indivisible. So both the mitzvah and its kavana are the will of Hashem. Both of them are an act of attachment to him. If a person does a mitzvah without kavana, they truly are attaching to Hashem. When they have kavana with a mitzvah, they truly are attaching to Hashem. What is the difference? The difference is how much of this attachment is felt. When it comes to a mitzvah without kavana, a person is attaching to Hashem. They are not feeling the attachment. When a person is having this intention, I am doing this because I long to attach to Hashem. I yearn, I desire to cleave to Him. And I, for this reason, I'm doing this mitzvah. They feel that attachment in the mitzvah. This intention that they have becomes the very soul of the mitzvah. And it allows the act of the mitzvah to express its true identity. That what is it? This is the will of Hashem. And this is an act of attachment to Him. Nevertheless, even though they're both his will and his will is simple as simple can be, the illumination of the supernal will in one's soul is different in terms of its contraction and expansion. So remember we looked at body and soul and we said that essentially... They both experience Hester Panim. They both experience concealment of the countenance, but there's a difference. The difference is in, to what level the divine life force is manifest in each of them. When we're looking at mitzvah and kavana, both of them are an act of attachment to Hashem. What's the difference? If they're essentially the same, they're both His will, they're both acts of attachment to Him. The difference is how manifested is Hashem's will in each of them? When it comes to a dry act, to dry speech in a mitzvah, it is not very manifested. When kavana becomes infused in that mitzvah, suddenly Hashem's will shines in that mitzvah, is revealed, it is manifested in the mitzvah. So true, both an act and the kavana are His will. But how much is this will shining in the act? Very, very little. In the kavana, profusely, that's where the difference is. We're looking at body and soul. Body and soul are the same in terms of hester panim, concealment of the countenance. How much is Hashem revealed in them? And the answer is utterly concealed in both body and soul. The flip, the, the exact opposite is the case with mitzvah and kavana. Mitzvah and kavana, neither of them, neither the act nor the intention of the mitzvah experience any concealment of the countenance 
because they are both the will of Hashem. The will of Hashem means they are total, pure expressions of Him. He does not hide Himself, neither in a mitzvah nor in a kavana. And just like you cannot compare the amount of light and life force that there is in the soul, which is infinitely greater to that which is in the body, so too can you not compare the amount of illumination that radiates within the intent of the mitzvah, the intent meaning the intention to cleave to him, to the amount of divine radiation that shines within the act or the speech of the mitzvah that doesn't have kavana, which is minimal. So, in, this, in the intention of the mitzvah, the amount of radiation from the divine will is profuse. In the act or the speech of the mitzvah without kavana, the amount of divine radiation within each of them is minimal. But there's a very big difference between body and soul and mitzvah and kavana. Because when it comes to body and soul, there actually is a difference in levels of divine life force within each of them. There's a much lower level of divine life force that is within the body than there is divine life force within the soul. Much more divine life force in the soul. When it comes to mitzvah and kavana, they're the same. There is no difference. Exactly the same attachment. Both of them are attachment. The only difference is how manifestly is that attachment felt in just an act or speech of the mitzvah? Very minimally. In the kavana of the mitzvah? Profusely. So let's sum up what we said until now, and then we're going to open up for questions and discussion. And we said that a person is doing this mitzvah, speaking or praying specifically with this intention to cleave to Hashem. And then the altar clarified for us, it's not that the attachment through intellect is greater than the attachment through an act of a mitzvah, because both of them are the same. The act of the mitzvah is the will of Hashem. The intention of the mitzvah of the will is Hashem. The difference between them is how much of this supernal will shines within each of them. Within this intent of the mitzvah, the amount of supernal will that shines within them is profuse. Within the just the dry act or the speech of the mitzvah, the amount of supernal will that shines within them is minimal. It's like the superiority of a soul above the body. A body is but a vessel and a garment for the soul, so too an act or speech of the mitzvah is but a vessel or garment for its intention, and the intention to cleave to him becomes its soul and allows it to express its very inner essence and identity, its core. What is the core of a mitzvah? Attachment to Hashem. When we have the intention to attach to him, suddenly our act, our speech, manifests its inner core. That really what I'm doing this for is to attach to Hashem. So closing class for today, opening up for questions and discussion. I know that we're studying complex ideas. I hope that if you have a question or some insight, please share.